This is episode 97 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Welcome to episode 97 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, I have Josh Doyle on the show. Josh is a Hamilton-based investor who is very aggressive. He's only seriously been in real estate investing for about two years, but he's hit the ground running. He's done a number of joint venture projects, and most recently, he's purchased a row of six townhouses. He walks through the numbers on that project and the numbers on another project in which he's pulled out all of his money and he's getting over $1,500 a month in cash flow. So it was a really interesting episode. Josh likes to run his numbers very conservative and then be pleasantly surprised at the end. And I can certainly relate to that because I like to approach things the exact same way. So I want the project to work in a best, medium, and worst case scenario. And I think that's very important as an investor to proceed that way. So it doesn't surprise me that Josh has been so successful to date based on the way he approaches his investments. Uh, He does most of his investing with joint venture partners. He's also involved in some other types of investments, and he seems to be a relatively savvy entrepreneur overall. So it was a really interesting discussion, and uh, Josh shared all the goods throughout the interview, so I know you're going to like this one. Just before we get started, make sure you hit that like button and subscribe with the notifications on if you're on YouTube. If you are listening from other podcast platforms, please rate and review. It helps more people to find this, and I'd surely appreciate it. And if you're new to the podcast, Please know that the concepts keep evolving and I don't go into the basics as much as I used to. So if you're brand new to real estate investing or if you're just new to this podcast, either way, I think you'll get a lot of value of going right back to the very beginning with episode one and working your way forward. With that being said, I hope you enjoy today's episode with Josh Doyle. Here we go. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I have Josh Doyle on the show all the way from Hamilton, 15 minutes away. (laughs) How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, man. It's a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for coming on. We met many months ago at the Greater Hamilton REI meetup back when we were allowed to do that. Yep. And um, I uh, hear your name come up a lot. I see your your updates on Instagram, and I know you've been quite aggressive. So, brought you on the show so you could tell us all about it. I think you're you're pretty new to real estate, are you not? I am. Yeah, I've been investing in real estate for a total of five years, but like really getting into it and aggressively growing, I want to say two years max. Yeah. Okay, so you got into it two years ago and i think so we've golfed together you briefly told me some of this um you're doing some jvs yeah i'm mostly doing jvs now um i'm self-employed so to speak so i don't work like a regular t4 income so we can totally jump into that like why i've why i've uh, chosen to jump into joint ventures but i want to say 95 percent of the stuff that i'm doing right now is all joint ventures so yeah okay how did you like tell me your backstory like how you got to where you're at right now yeah so um I got out of high school. I got right into construction. So I worked for Mattamy Homes. I started off as like a laborer and then I kind of moved up through the ranks like a machine operator. And then ultimately I was a assistant foundation builder. So I was in charge of like land, um, like land surveying and excavation and footings and stuff like that. Um, so that's how I kind of got my background in construction. So I you were got, pinning in the holes? Like you were doing I all was, that work? Yeah, I was like doing all the cut sheets. I was laying everything out for the footing carpenters, all that stuff, right? Um, and then like giving the surveyors plans. So that's like, they said, that's how I got my start in construction, like got introduced to it. Yeah. Um, and I've always kind of been entrepreneurial at heart. So I started reading books like rich dad, poor dad, and starting like small businesses here and there, and like really fell in love with, um, like financial independence and and all that stuff too. Right. So from there, that kind of, I pieced together my knowledge of real estate 
like uh, construction and then of course real estate investing. And then once I piece that together, like I kind of, you know, grabbed onto that and took off from there. So that's what got me into actually real estate investing. Okay. So, so when did you start with Matami? Um, that was about, uh, I was 19 years old. So I got into high school, started pretty much right away. And I was there for a total of five years. Um, and I left in when I was about 24, I'm 30. Okay. Yeah. Still young in this game. Yeah. Still, still young. Yeah. Um, okay. And, uh, when did the real estate investing start? So in, um, that would be 2015. I bought my first single family rental. It was a single deta- or sorry, a semi detached in St. Catharines. Had no idea what I was doing. I just bought my first property and had leftover capital. Okay. So um, I figured, you know, I was already reading the books. I wanted to start investing in real estate. I figured, you know, why not just buy something? So didn't know how to analyze a property. Um, didn't even really know if the property was going to cash flow. What my expenses were. I literally just saw it. It looked really nice, and I bought it. Okay. Um, I got super lucky, obviously, over the course of the last five years, like the market just went up in value. And uh, thankfully, the interest rates came down and the tenants paid off on the mortgage. So um, I was actually in a negative cash flow position of $200 a month on that property. Since, like I said, all the, the interest rates lowered and the tenants paid off uh, some of the mortgage. And now I'm cash flowing 800 bucks a month. You so, were negative cash flow? I was, yeah. Are you crazy? I know. <laughs> I mean, like I said, I had no idea what I was doing. Like, um, I didn't even know how to add up the expenses and you know yeah. even project what rental income I was going to get on the property. I just took a chance and said, I'm going to buy a property and you know just yeah. went for it. So thankfully, things worked out in my favor and I was able to hold on to it for that duration of time. And uh, I mean, the house appreciated like crazy. So everything just worked out great. So that, that's my yeah. first introduction into real estate investing. St. Catharines has been pretty kind to investors lately. Yeah. I mean, like anywhere around the Golden Horseshoe, right? Like right. just, but St. Catharines for sure, it's... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I picked a great place to gamble. That's for sure. Okay, why St. Catharines? Like, why were you there? Was that where you lived? No, so I lived in Burlington. Like, I grew up in Burlington. Okay, um, I'm out in St. Catharines or in um, Stony Creek now, Hamilton Way. But um, I think the property value kind of attracted me. I bought the semi-detached for I think two hundred seventy-seven thousand, and yeah, I think it was just the the the, the prices. You know, it it was an attractive, like turnkey rental. The price was great. And uh, yeah, just jumped on it. No, no rhyme or reason of why I went out there other than probably the purchase price. Which, I mean, there is something to be said for that. Uh, So you're cash flowing 800 a month on that now. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, sometimes you got to go out and I'm sensing this, that people are getting a little fed up and and are starting to look outside of these uh, major centers because they want to get cash flow and me being one of them. So I'm doing my research as well. You're still investing in that area though, right? You're in St. Catharines and, and Hamilton? Yeah, primarily Hamilton. Like okay. that's the market that I specialize in. But I'm doing the same thing as you. Like I'm starting to realize that or not just starting, but starting to realize that um, you know, these houses are hard to generate cash flow, right? And that's why I'm doing some of the more creative things that I'm doing in real estate, like um, like forcing equity and and converting homes. Um but yeah, I've definitely started to look at other markets to try to get that cash flow yeah. because even in even with me doing what I'm doing now, it's challenging to, you know, produce a good return on investment. So two years going hard at it. Is this your full time gig? Are you are you flipping properties? Are you managing properties? Like what are you doing for active income? So active income, uh the cash flow from the properties, I don't really um I don't really live off it. We just bank it in our corporate bank accounts, but um i tried i trade stock options like that's something so that's that your I, active <laughs> that's my active income now yeah for sure i mean my wife which does, is a new thing right it is a brand new thing yeah, yeah. I'm, i've been doing it for 
I want to say six months seriously now. Okay. Um, I took the course like a, a Irwin's course, yeah, or? Irwin's course, yeah, yeah. Irwin and um, Omar the Theta training oh, okay, course, the Theta one, yeah. So I took that like a year ago, and then um, I I I got into it like seriously six months ago. So that's my yeah. active income, yeah. Okay, so for anyone, if this is your first episode of this podcast, uh, stock hacking or options trading is something that I keep hearing investors doing. Haven't ever done it myself. Last guest, Cody Yeh, uh was talking all about it. Um, and then you can go back and hear Irwin speak about it. Um, but basically, yeah, so it's another, another alternative for people to diversify their income. Okay, prior to doing that for, for income, what were you doing for active income? So, um, like I said, I've always been entrepreneurial. So I started a couple small businesses. Some of them were failures. And then one that I started was an e-commerce business where I was basically retailing products on Amazon, uh, .ca and .com. Okay. So uh, I kind of hopped on that wave. It's a very popular thing that yeah, people are doing people now, doing right? Yeah. Like a fulfillment by Amazon. They use like the Amazon fulfillment centers to house okay. their products and whatnot. So basically what I did was I was buying products in like extremely large quantities from wholesalers okay. and then retailing it back onto Amazon for retail through, prices. Through Prime or something? Exactly. Through Amazon Prime. So oh, guys, that's that, interesting. Have, guys yeah. that have Amazon Prime memberships out there, um, if you're not buying directly from Amazon, you're buying most likely from somebody like myself. That's yeah. just facilitating you know is it still in their warehouse i'm just curious. it is yeah 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 okay so, so i've seen this they're like oh it wasn't actually sold by amazon i'm like what are you talking about i bought it from amazon they're like well no it's like a third party that if you read it it'll yeah. say sold by josh but shipped by amazon yeah so yeah yeah and i'll like search for like the amazon prime logo like you know like when i search for stuff so you would come yep. up under that exactly okay this is an entirely side tangent but i yeah. mean i'm very <laughs> entrepreneurial real estate investors are entrepreneurs in my opinion so i love talking about this stuff totally uh, and the same logic goes into so many of these decisions like i want you know want to create freedom in my life i want to yep. um you know i want i don't want to be financially dependent on x or y so um very interesting that you've done that and and i'm guessing that you so you said your wife works as well yeah so she works full-time still um okay. she's kind of been the driving force of everything so she's been we've been relying on her to kind of pay for living expenses like i said yeah. we don't live off the cash flow right so um, I started that business originally to basically earn income to invest into real estate. That's yeah. my whole reason for starting that business. I was super successful in doing so, um, made a lot of money in a short period of time. Like I said, I kind of caught that e-commerce Amazon wave. And then I put that money into the stock market, made some more money. And then yeah. I've kind of been just recycling that capital in real estate since then. So um, yeah, my wife supports our living expenses for the time being. I kind of designed our lifestyle like we're pretty frugal so um our mortgage is low um you know like i said we're frugal so we don't need a lot of money to survive like i don't i'm not a, an extravagant type of person so mm -hmm. we live off like a pretty average income and then everything else that i make on the side through stock options or um, through real estate we just keep recycling and growing our snowball that's great and i think being frugal is sort of the name of the game like keep keep lean or wherever you're at wherever you live i mean try and cut but even to just try not to grow like continue to grow your income don't grow your expenses keep oh, your expenses sure. where they are yeah that's the key to success like i i never really spent much more in the last five years i've never really spent any more if i made more which allowed me the flexibility that i would do a big construction project and then like do no active work for a year year and a half yep which is kind of concerning like I, <laughs> towards the end of that i was like okay i really need to do something but I would, I would be focused on my own projects i'd be doing my own burrs that's not income for me to play with that's income that belongs to each of those houses and and, and what they are but the allowing me to focus on that and not need to work actively 
th- that happened because I didn't spend everything that I made. Exactly. No, I've done the exact same thing. Yeah. And I've also gone through those periods of time where it almost seems like you're not doing anything, right? You're not working mm. and you're like, okay, I gotta, I gotta start yeah. doing something. I gotta generate some income. So yeah. 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 I mean, cause I don't, I don't love the active side of the business. I love creating properties. I love improving them, you know, and not to sell, to keep, I, yeah. I mean, it pains me to sell them. Uh, sometimes you do because you have to, right. But, uh, to me, so being active as, you know, I, I do construction and I, I build for a developer being active in that allows me to to save my money in the real estate not sell properties and and hopefully keep a lot more in the long run because of yeah, that so. and realize the real yeah. benefit of owning real estate which is over time right over the time yeah and, and i think a lot of people are probably going through this feeling right now of like the market's changing should i be selling changing positions i am looking at selling one of mine but i'll be redeploying that cash into burrs or another piece of real estate so some it will go back into real estate the idea yes. I like being a little bit liquid so that when I can, I can go into projects and not worry about the, uh, the interest burn. Yeah, I completely agree. I've put myself in positions where I take on too much. I put too much on my plate and then I'm looking at my financials. And I'm like, okay, like this is, if anything goes wrong here, like, you know, you, uh, you don't want to be in that position where, you know, something you get, you get to start liquidating and stuff like that. Right. So yeah. I try to do the same thing, keeping mm-hmm. myself a little bit liquid and yeah, have a little bit of a breathing like buffer room there. The big thing I like is not so for construction funds. No construction mortgages because they're really annoying. <laughs> I don't like the holdbacks I've never and, had one of those. and all the fees. Like construction mortgages for anyone who's never taken one. Uh, there's all kinds of admin. There's multiple legal fees, especially if it's a private construction mortgage. Totally mm-hmm. doable. And if you need to do it, I've done it to get a deal done. Yep. But I sure heck, I sure as heck like to avoid it if I don't need it. Uh, sure. Of course, on the bigger deals, you might need it, but. Uh, the annoying part is when you get a construction mortgage, they hold back 10% under the Construction Lien Act here in Ontario. So, That's right. so if I need a million dollars to build, I actually need a million dollars. They approve a million dollars, but they'll only ever give me 900000 So who's coming up with that other hundred? That's me. Yeah. And you got to front it, right? And get your disbursement. Yeah. So you always need to have some sort of buffer. You there. need to be liquid in this business to a certain degree, right? There's a yep. delicate balance for everybody. And there's a number that makes sense for everybody. But uh, yeah, 100%. yeah. So, I mean, and this is relevant to you because you're doing construction, right? You're doing burr projects. And I've seen some of your, your Instagram photos and you're doing a lot. You're getting down to the bones of the house. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, we can totally jump into yeah, that. Yeah. Let's let's jump into what you've been what you've been doing. So we've covered your active income. That's that's what you've uh, pivoted into now. Yep. Um, start off with what's your portfolio look like right now? Okay. So I have 16 doors in total. That is spread out on four different, five different properties. Um, most of them are duplex, triplex fourplex and then i have uh, a six a, a row of uh six towns as well um basically what i've been doing is i've been buying single family homes and converting them into as many units as i possibly can legally or some legal some not both yeah okay. so um yeah to be completely honest some of them are legal duplexes some mm-hmm. of them are legal duplexes with yeah. a third unit in the mm-hmm. basements right so or or a legal triplex with a fourth unit in the basement yeah so this is like the sort of on some of them the sandy mckay uh approach if you know what he does so sandy and then his uh his business partner who is on here adrian adrian yeah adrian sandy and adrian yeah they have that that model and you know you you legally have two but if you can turn that into four that's they were like they were getting like 1300 a month cash flow yeah we can we'll jump into yeah. uh, uh, an, uh sorry an example that i have here there on a project i just finished but we're cash flowing over 1500 dollars on a project that yeah. we put out all our capital right so yeah we can definitely jump into yeah. that 
But um, yeah, that's what I'm doing now is I'm just trying to buy single family homes, convert them as, into as many units as possible, obviously as legal as possible as well. I do renovate to a legal standard, right? So there, yeah. everything is fire separated properly yeah. and, and, and whatnot built to the Ontario okay. building code. So. so when you do that and say yeah. you weren't under a building permit on one of those units, yep. what do you get an engineer to inspect it and document it all so that you, if you, if it ever came down to it, you confirm that you did build it correctly? Yeah, hundred um, percent. Just because if anything comes back and you have to deconstruct the unit, mm-hmm. I mean, it's better to have an engineer stamp it's on something. To have it for sure. Yeah. yeah, I like to be proactive rather than reactive for sure. Yeah. when you're doing stuff like that, yeah, yeah. So not that we can condone anything illegal, and not not saying that. Um, but if you are making certain decisions. <laughs> Uh, document and uh so uh, people didn't know this i didn't know this uh, back when i started but if like so when i started the city of london was on strike and the building inspectors weren't really coming out and i knew people that were actually just getting their engineer to come out and certify their inspections saying well city won't come out we'll certify it ourselves it costs money but then uh that actually could pass now check with your municipality but that that was working in london yeah, and it doesn't slow you down, right? You're able to just yeah. keep going. That's the key, right? I mean, for me, I was burning a lot of money. I didn't end up having to because the managers were still coming out. But I mean, okay. it could happen, right? If if it happened to you, you know, get your engineer to certify it. I think that's an option. Definitely look into it further and, and double check with your city before you proceed. But um, yeah, that's one more option on the tra- table. That's so just in your position with what you're describing, that would be what I would do. I would I would have that in my folder, file folder, if it ever came up saying, hey, okay, by the way, it was all done yeah. correctly. And yep. And, you know, from a liability standpoint, that's that's pretty ideal, too. For sure. I see, and I think you probably see this, too, one day Hamilton's going to come through sweeping and, and legalize a lot of these units that aren't supported right now. I agree. I mean, and like it's like the, the legal non-conforming status, right? Yeah. Anything that was built prior to the yeah. bylaws passing, they just kind of let it be, right? As long as you don't mm-hmm. change the use. I totally see that as well especially with like the crisis, the rental crisis that we have. Yeah. So, but in your case, like they would, if they looked up the MLS listings, they could probably figure out that that was there before. Does that worry you at all? Like, do you worry about, because in my head, I'm like, well, if they ever tell me I can't use that unit, now I've invested say $30,000 on that unit that I, I no longer have access to. Yeah, Uh, for sure. There is a level of risk to it. That isn't for everybody. Um, I will only do one of these properties where like one that I, I have here that, um, the cash flow is significant where I'm not relying 100% on that unit. Mm-hmm. So if the property will still cash flow, even though I lose that tech quote unquote illegal unit that is in the property, it will still break even or cash flow. So yeah. I make sure that I'm in a position like that where I'm not yeah. going to be, you know, in a cash flow, a negative position. So yeah. it's a gamble. Even if they shut you down, you're okay. Um, for sure. It was worth the shot for how much cash flow you could make kind of thing. Absolutely. And then no one day down the road, that unit may become useful again. Yes. 100%. So even if you can't rent it out down the road, you can try and legalize it when the bylaws change again, because we all know we're headed for more intensity under the current path. Exactly. Now, whether that path you know, continues, I think it will. Um, that's, the, that's the mandate of our province, intensification. So it seems likely that down the road, they're probably going to say, okay, we need to legalize these units. It seems like it. I mean, if we keep up with the, the population growth that we have and well, in the I immigration, mean, in the, yeah. yeah, sorry, the immigration, yeah. like where are these people going to live, right? Um, the city, yeah. the municipalities are in favor of uh, intensifying like density. So, yeah. yeah, well, they're told they have to be right. So the way it worked for like the, the secondary units thing, I think that was passed in like 2011 at the provincial level. And it took in London, they finally adopted it in 2017. It was okay. July of 2017. They finally adopted it. So every municipality had so many years to do it. And now I know that they've done the same thing for the um, third units. So now 
And I don't know the exact details of that, like how many units or sorry, where you can you can put those units, um, what zones that will apply to. It might not apply to all zones, but uh, I, I do believe that's coming for most municipalities. And I think I think Cody was just saying on on the podcast on the last episode that it actually is already a, a thing in Barrie. You can already oh, have okay. backyard suite. You can have a house in there or a secondary or third unit in your backyard. I saw Kellen James. Right, I think that's his last name. He posted something today regarding Do Laneway House. Or yeah, Laneway th- House. Yeah. Okay, or- I got to follow up with him. Yeah. So yeah, he goes by Kellen James now because it's easier than pronouncing his last name. Okay. Nietzsche. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I got to follow up on that uh, on that uh, because I have one of my properties with a big backyard that I could easily throw another unit in. Yeah. Um, definitely something. You know, this is why I'm big on having extra land because you never know when they're going to say, "Okay, now you can do an extra unit in your backyard." For sure. Well, having the foresight of, of- yeah, being able to see that coming is is super valuable. Okay, Josh. So let's talk about this. Uh, I think it was a triplex. It was like a big brick house that you did. Was that is that the triplex or is that the fourplex? No, that is the triplex that I just finished. Okay. Um, yeah, you want to dive into the numbers on that? Yeah, let's take a look. Well, we'll talk conceptually about what you did, sure. and then and then we'll talk. Uh, okay. Talk in more detail about uh, the numbers. So yeah. so start off like, what did you buy? Um, what did it look like? And then we'll go from there. Okay, so it was a century home, red brick, um, downtown Hamilton. It was about 1,800 square feet above grade. Single family home. Like the home was basically all original, had never been touched. There were a couple like things added on, like renovations, like tile on top of tile type of thing. But right. um, other than that, all the mechanicals were all original. The you know knob and tube, um, electrical, we had cast iron plumbing leaking all over the place. The roof was Fun coming stuff. in, like all that stuff, right? All the good stuff that people run away from, stone foundation with water issues. So we bought this property for 325000 Okay. Um, well, so I did before, well. Yeah. Well, actually, before we jump into the numbers, I'll tell you a little bit more. So we ended up gutting the entire property. Yeah. Right back to the brick. Now, where in Hamilton is this one? Um, this is, it's more so central. It's on a street called Sturton Street. Um, okay. It's in the Gibson neighborhood. Gibson. Okay. So sort of central... It's, not east but yeah yeah it's it's like smack dab right in the middle of okay. downtown yeah like not too far the from the tim hortons field um i want to say it is probably about six minutes from the tim hortons field yeah to drive yeah to drive so it's west of that or east of that it is east of that east of that okay yes all right so you bought it for three hundred and three hundred twenty five thousand. so it must have been a real rough shape that you got it for that price it was, and this was 13 months ago when we bought it, okay. and a lot has happened into the market since then, but um, yeah, it, it was old. It was okay. in pretty rough shape. <laughs> okay, so it was initially a single family? Yeah, single family. So did you go through the permitted process to get it to duplex, and then you added the third unit? I did, yeah. Okay, so you closed out your permit on the on the duplex, and then you went, and went ahead and finished. Now, did you do some things to to prep that third unit before you uh before you closed out your permit for sure there is kind of a method to doing this mm-hmm. um basically you know we would uh we we ran all the plumbing for you know the kitchen there was already a washroom yeah. in the basement we finished so you it put for the, the most stub, part the stub for everything and then you can you kind of pass it off as that basement could that could be additional space for the main, main exactly floor unit. exactly okay and then you know once we close out the um the inspection we get occupancy we basically would go in and yeah we put the kitchen Put the kitchen in, yeah, finish up that. that be- oh, so you finished multiple things, just not the kitchen. Exactly. Yeah, we finished the, the whole living space except for the kitchen. Yeah. Now, did you do fire, fire separation between the, un- the basement and the upstairs? Oh, yeah. We did resilient channeling, the oh, sound okay. separation, two yeah. layers of 5.8, um, green because glue. Because the inspector would never even like look at that, right? Like He comes in and says, okay, looks good. And then you just go ahead and do the drywall stage, put your rocks all in, your, exactly. your resilient channel. 
Okay, yep. so you really did soundproof that one well. I did everything. I did interconnecting smoke alarms. Like we really mm-hmm. did do it to fire and building okay. code. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So and and if you're gonna keep it, even if you're not, do it right. A hundred percent. Yeah. The, you know, there is that stigma behind flipped homes that people yeah. cut corners and whatnot because they're just trying to make yeah. a profit. But no, we wanted to do things properly. Yeah, I see. I don't like that. I, I want to do things right. And that's why it, it kind of pains me to sell anything I make because I, I always treat it as if I was going to keep it. Like, what would yeah. I do if I was keeping this? And, and I think that appeals to to the renters too, right? You want to make it make it done right. So mm-hmm. rental wise, what were you in on that one for? Uh, 230000 and that that includes carrying costs and everything else? No. So no. yeah, two hundred and thirty thousand for renovations. That included like our, our building permit, the minor variance fee, because we had to go to oh, the get get adjustment. Variance. Oh yeah, we had to do everything. Yeah. Um so that was yeah, what, just what renovations was your variance on before we jump forward. We had to do a reduction in lot size, a reduction in unit size. Um, so, so they want seven hundred square feet minimum. You weren't seven hundred square feet? No. On the main floor or upper? Um I believe it was on the main floor because the upper we had the attic that was able okay, to be included. So, yeah. Okay, so you didn't have a have a big enough space. You're just a little bit under. It was yeah, we, we were just shy of it. Okay, and then your lot was a little too small. The lot was too small. We Not didn't have any parking. parking. No, yeah, parking. No, no parking. They still allow this. Well, we proposed that we we had a garage in the backyard. We tore down the garage and then I paved the backyard and put fences up. So we we did give parking. Yeah, but that wasn't part of the minor variance. You just did that after the fact. That's correct. Yeah, because they probably wouldn't have liked that, right? No, no. Well, I mean, it depends, right? Like, I've had minor variances past where we didn't have any parking. So it all really depends on the on the property and, you know, how nice the committee of adjustment is that day. But I've seen them not be nice. <laughs> I've heard, yeah, of horror stories yeah. for sure. But that is, it, when you're taking on these projects, that is a another level of risk that you have to be comfortable with is when you buy a property, yeah. you know, you're not guaranteed to get this minor variance. So, well, that's the thing. Okay, so and I want to make that really, really clear: is is there are no guarantees with minor variances. No. So you need to buy that property and know that you're okay if you don't get the okay. Yes. So what would you have done if they said no? We bought it at a low enough price that we wouldn't been able just to renovate it and either flip it or still cash flow as a single family yeah. rental. So when I run my projections, I run it like plan a plan b plan c because yeah. you can't just rely on plan a right like as you said a, yeah. a minor variance is not guaranteed so you got that for me didn't you <laughs> i think i probably did well i've been listening to your podcast for a while now so yeah that sounds really familiar yeah, yeah no that's so that's you great. have to yeah plan a b and c perfect example of that if you just go for the minor variance and then all of a sudden you get slapped you can't get it and then you go relist that property you lose money exactly well, that that is that is the type of procedure if you, if you operate under that procedure you won't be in this business long no because things don't always go right everybody Nothing looks like a genius right. when things go right yeah and, and things rarely go right yeah. like yeah yeah i mean we've been fortunate as investors things go up in value it's a saving grace i've made mistakes that the values have saved me from uh, and i'm thankful for that mm-hmm. but uh you don't want to bank on it. You count your lucky stars when you come out of that and you unscathed and then you're like, you have to remember, okay, never again. I'm not, I'm not making that mistake again. For Even sure. if you didn't lose, it might've been a mistake. It still is a mistake if you didn't have a plan B. Yeah, completely so, agree. So here you had the plan B. Did you have a plan C as well? I guess that your plan B was pretty strong. Plan B was extremely strong. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I had plan C. I'm sure I did. To be honest. There's always a creative way. Okay. Third thing I could do. I think we yeah. were actually buying it below market value. So we could have just probably, you know, give it, give it a little bit of a lipstick and then just put it back yeah, in the market and at least broke even. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah, there you go. So there's your, there's your plan C. Uh, it's just good to ration, rationalize your way through that. Um, and you did a great job of that. So oh, thanks. that's <laughs> awesome. Okay. So what were you into 
uh, carrying costs, um, insurance, minor variants, all that stuff. Would that add up? Yeah. Too? So the rental was two thirty. Our carrying costs or the holding costs and was legals 30. and all that stuff. I guess forty thousand in total. Yeah, forty thousand yeah. for all that stuff. So yep. this was no small project. No, it was a major undertaking for sure. Okay, so your new mortgage would have been. Let's just see here. Uh, would you? Did you refinance on that? I did. Yeah, at eighty uh, percent. Yeah. Oh, you want the refinance amount? Yeah. So yeah, we refinance at seven hundred and sixty-seven thousand. That was your value. Yeah, seven sixty. Wow, you did well. Yeah, killed it on this one. So times point. So the new yeah. mortgage was six thirteen. Oh, six thirteen. Six thirteen. Six hundred. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you're a little higher than that. Yeah. So we'll, we'll just six thirteen. You just do eighty percent loan to value, or I did. Yeah, I came in a little lower. Okay. So I guess they they thought your value was a little higher than you thought. Six thirteen. Six hundred. Uh, yes. So what they would have thought your value would be would have been divided by eight. Looks like they were giving you a seven sixty seven value. Oh, is that not what I told you? You may have. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, I, it, I may not have been listening. <laughs> no problem. It was seven sixty seven. Yeah. Okay. Seven sixty seven. I thought there was something going on with the numbers there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Okay. So seven sixty seven. You got eighty percent. Yep. So um, your mortgage is the uh, the six thirteen six hundred. That's right. And that means your net investment was a negative eighteen thousand six hundred dollars. So this that's, is, right. that's the perfect burr right there. Yeah, Pulled, we got paid. Got paid. Got paid to yeah. keep real estate. So now, of course, it wasn't really free uh, because you you have your sweat into that one. Yeah. How often were you there? Uh, I will admit on this one, I I did. I was I was playing the general contractor on this one, so I did hire out a lot of sub trades. But there were a lot of things that um, you know I put some blood, sweat, and tears into that one. So yeah. Yeah, we did some insulation ourselves, like, you know, stuff like that, right? So I, I was there pretty frequently. Yeah. Even just being your own general contractor is a lot of your time, like negotiating contracts with people, setting up timing, talking to your site supervisor. Like, I, this is, this is my daily routine, you know, doing all yeah. this stuff. So I feel like most people compl- like underestimate how much time it really takes and how yeah. much knowledge to, and, and just you to understand it, yeah. understand the building, uh, the production schedule of a property, yeah. what comes next and how to deal with things as they come up. Yeah. Like that's a major skill to have, right? Yeah. So I can tell you're very knowledgeable. Like you've already been through the minor variance process. You having worked in surveying and working with foundation people, you had a huge level of understanding of the building process, the permitting process, the inspection process. Yeah. A lot of people just don't know any of that going in, right? For sure. And as long as you continue to hire general contractors, you probably won't know. Yeah. So it's a question of, you know, is it worth it to you? And how much will you save in the long run if you start doing that? Of course, how much time will you lose? Because it is a time, a time consuming endeavor. Yep. And how much money will you spend on mistakes, right? Because you'll make a lot of mistakes for sure if you don't have the knowledge. Um, I'm yeah. getting to a point now where I'm trying to pick up uh, properties at such an aggressive rate that I'm starting to outsource to full out contractors. Yeah, full so. out contractors, and I think you yeah. need to once you get to a certain point. Like I, I admittedly a bit of a control freak, and uh, we'll we'll you know eventually need to relinquish some of that. And I am open to hiring GCs, but I think early on it's a great move for people to learn. You know, learn what goes into that. Uh, you know, you can GC yourself, but be aware of what you don't know. Maybe have a a good friend in the business that, uh, sure. that can help you out along the way because you don't want to be in it completely on your own. I completely agree. Yeah. yeah. What do you got that thing rented for? So there's three units in there. Um, in total, we're bringing in $5,000 a month in gross rent. 
Um, if you want the unit breakdown, I can give you the unit breakdown. But uh, yeah, let's give me an idea. Yeah, so the main floor is a two bedroom. Uh, we're renting that out for eighteen hundred plus hydro. Two bedroom, less than 600, 700 square feet. Yeah. Okay, that must be a tight one. Um, it is actually tight. Yeah. The bedrooms are a nice size. The living room is a little on the smaller side, but we renovate to, or I renovate to, um, a higher standard like quartz countertop, yeah. stainless steel, yeah, do nice. nice backsplash yeah. and, and whatnot. So I provide a higher level of finish because. I attract a much higher tenant or higher quality tenant. And yeah. uh, I mean, I'm getting extremely high rent for that unit. So that's great. Um, yeah. So 1800 for the two bed there. I have a two bed plus loft um, upstairs. I'm getting 1900 plus hydro. Mm-hmm. And then the basement is a one bedroom. I'm getting 1250. And that's mm-hmm. because the ceiling height is a little bit on the lower side. Um, and it is a basement. So I brought the rental rate down. I might be able to get higher in the yeah. future, but yeah, you'll have to yeah. gauge that one as you go. Yeah. Um, approximately what uh, what height is the joist in the basement i think we are at six foot nine six foot nine that's yeah. not too bad yeah it's not, i've seen lower There's some oh, people with sure. like six five i've definitely been yeah. in those but it, it's just a little on the lower side right so it's yeah. not. Yeah. yeah so this is why if you're if you're going to build a basement new construction if if you're building new and i know there are investors out there that are planning them new get your designer to design your basement taller than uh than normal so normally it's about seven foot 10 inches that's the the foundation wall height mm-hmm. you can go a whole foot taller than that yes um, without needing to reinforce that foundation with rebar and that will allow you to finish out because you're gonna have bulkheads and all this you'll probably be able to finish out around eight feet which is a normal like second story in a house so it'll actually yeah. it won't feel like a basement yep. and then you can rent it out for more so that's that's my thought and then the other thing if you're designing new raise the elevation so that you can have more more of your window above grade that's right and yeah. go really big on those windows yep. so that you can make people think they're on a main floor and you can rent it for more. worth every yeah. dollar you're going to spend on that for sure yeah. so many people just look at the cost oh what's cheapest or they don't even think about it and i think that's the worst part is you don't think about it right yep. and if you're not if your designer isn't somebody that designs for investors they're not going to know to do these things they're going to be like normal basement here you go oh you want an apartment down there sure i can design a kitchen or i can design the you know the layout uh, that's not really what uh, what you want to do. No, in this yeah. business, you always have to be trying to maximize your highest and best use, right? Just mm-hmm. like try, I just try to squeeze the lemon as you know as much juice as possible and anything mm-hmm. I get my hands on. So yeah, yeah. Well, that I does agree. cost more, but I think it's a value a value upgrade for sure. Yeah, mi- minimal extra cost for what it, what goes into it. So okay, so for taxes, what are you into there? Uh, property taxes are twenty five forty four annually or two twelve a month. I don't know how. Twenty five forty four. Yeah, that might go up. That's going to go up. Yeah, one hundred percent. That's going yeah. up. I'm putting in four thousand for you. All right, fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, that is that is that's what it is right now. But um, until we get yeah. assessed, we'll see. This is Hamilton. They're gonna. It's yeah. going up. Uh, sorry to break it to you, but hey, it's I part know. of the game. Part of the game. You're still going to do well. That's right. Uh, okay, so maintenance. Uh, I figure five percent or yeah, so. I put five yeah. percent of gross okay. rents. And then management. You don't pay management. Um, not on this property. I'm managing it. But if you want to factor in management, 100%. But I'll we don't. Leave, I'll leave it out. I self-manage. So I think that there's a good a good way of doing that. There's going to be miscellaneous costs. I always throw in 500 bucks for miscellaneous. Sure. That's just whatever comes up um, related to management. Yeah. Um, do you have to do any lawn care? Are you cutting the grass there? Or the no. Tennis? So I, I took up the whole front yard and I river rocked it. Okay. made it look really nice. And in the backyard, we ripped out the, everything and then we paved it and put so fences So there's no up. grass on the entire property? Nothing. <laughs> yeah, I did that strategically because I didn't awesome. want to go there and have to okay. maintain it myself. Too. What about snow removal? Um, snow removal is something that we have to look into for sure. Um, haven't set that up, and this is like 
I got to start figuring that out right now because we're experiencing we just got snow, snow, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I don't have uh, that set up yet. Okay. So to be honest. I'm going to figure, I guess, a hundred bucks a month for your snow removal. I think so. During it's the a winter. Small property. During the winter. Yeah. Maybe, maybe call it 600 bucks a year for snow removal. I mean, you might pay more, you might pay less, but we'll, we'll throw that in there. Honestly, I'm going to try to get the tenant to do it, but uh, yeah, yeah, if we'll you see. can just pay the tenant to do it, that's mm-hmm. so much better if, if they're okay with that. Yeah. It's, that's the tricky thing. When you get into multiple units, it's like, who's going to be responsible for this? And keeping them yeah. liable for it. Yeah. Yeah. So I have very, uh, I have a multifamily um, where it's side by side. There's a semi-detached and I basically sectioned it up in the lease. Here are the areas that you will cut and I clearly awesome. describe it. Uh, so that, that part's been working out okay. But uh, okay, so your mortgage, what, what rate did you get on this one? And I'm guessing you went 30 year. I did go 30 year. I got a 2.39% rate. So man, your cash flow looks pretty good on this one. Yeah. It's a, uh, do you have their uh, 2385 a month, right? For my mortgage payment? I've got yeah twenty three eighty five uh, seventy eight for your mortgage payment. Yep, and I am getting a cash flow of seventeen hundred and fifty five eighty nine. So that'll be a little different than what you calculated. It's a little bit different. Yeah. Uh, you didn't keep, uh, factor in like vacancy, I guess. But... I didn't factor in any vacancy here. Uh, I do have it in my sheet for anyone who uses my sheet. It's probably just hidden uh, the cells. You can just unhide them. I got to get that new sheet you were talking about. That you have oh you haven't used it yet no I have oh yeah because you have the one yeah that yeah. do pro funds because yeah I, I've, I've added stuff so if you and if you want to do it add in a vacancy number so you can go online you can look up cmhc's vacancy rates it's going to be yep. under two percent hamilton right now for sure so even if you wanted to throw two percent in that's just an allowance for having a, a month of vacancy for anyone who who's not familiar with using that so yep. if you factor in a two percent vacancy on this that's still sixteen hundred and fifty five dollars cash flow yeah okay now like this is where it gets silly because how do you calculate a return on investment? We can't. We can calculate a return. Um, you're making $15,000 a year on mortgage paydown. Your property, if it's 4% appreciation, you're getting 30000 a year. Even if you say 3%, oops, at 3% appreciation, um, which we've been doing much better, but say it's only three, that's still $23,000 a year that property is going up in value. And then your annual cash flow is almost twenty grand, so yeah. 19871 So that's a total return of 58000 figuring on the 3% appreciation. And since you have no investment, we can't calculate one. But even if you were to just go buy this on the market at 600 or 767,000, yeah. that would be a return on investment to you of 35%, 34%. Uh, Still huge. And, huge. And, and the difference between, I mean, our equity and the property, right? We, it's, yeah. If it's worth 767 and we've got a mortgage for 613, that's a huge spread in equity that we have sitting in the property as well, right? So yeah. that 20%. Yeah, you've got twenty percent um, sitting there, so that's over. Yeah, one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. So plus it's going up. Plus it's going up, and yeah. that's and that's forced. That's what you were saying before. Forced equity. Um, it's it's something that that you created for yourself, and it's not taxable until you sell the property. Exactly. Which is, this is why we like real estate, obviously. We like to hold on to real yeah. estate. Yeah. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a moment and give a shout out to a couple of very important local businesses to me. As you know, this lockdown has been tough on everyone and small businesses have been taking the brunt of it. So there's two specific businesses I wanted to give a shout out to. This is a completely unpaid promotion. They didn't ask me to do this, but I wanted to give them a shout out because I think they're really important and I want to see them be successful. Uh, So one is 
New York, New York Men's Grooming Lounge here in Burlington, Ontario. I always see Sergio every month. Uh, they do a fantastic job. Their atmosphere there is fantastic. There's usually some Frank Sinatra playing in the background. Um, they're a great establishment, even if you just want to go in and have an espresso or have a beer and chat. It really is a lounge and social uh, location, which is just such a unique concept in today's market. Really like those guys. I really want to see them succeed. If you're looking for a fantastic men's haircut and grooming experience, I highly recommend them. The next one I wanted to give a shout out to is Dr. Mike White over at the Momentum Health Clinic in Hamilton. Dr. Mike has been able to help me many times over the years when I've hurt my back. He's a chiropractor, uh, so I'd be in a position where I couldn't even walk, I couldn't turn. Uh, I was in an agonizing pain, and I'd go to Dr. Mike, and usually I'm 100% better within a week. Now, I know it's a touchy thing with a medical service, so always, always, always consult with your medical professional before seeking any form of treatment. I just wanted to let you know my experience here, and I certainly think Mike White is worth considering. I've included the details for both of these contacts in my show notes. Please show them support if you see fit. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Okay, so you're doing really well on these properties. You clearly know what you're doing and you're hustling at it. Where are you finding your investors for these properties? Yeah, great question. Uh, Mostly social media. So I'm pretty active on Instagram, uh, the most Facebook and then YouTube. So I just post what I'm doing on a daily basis. And I think that these type of projects attract a lot of people, of course, because it's hard to get these type of returns, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a lot of people that reach out to me through social media that want to get involved. And to be honest, like the it's not finding partners that's hard. I used to have a limiting belief that um, getting people to join me in these ventures would be the hardest thing. The hardest thing is actually finding the deals oh, yeah. to, you know, to be able to get this type of return on investment. So uh yeah (laughs) well you got to manage expectations too um because if you have your investors expecting a a perfect burr every time this is a perfect burr that is not easy to do no this this doesn't happen by accident this happens by studying your market studying what what your business is and and executing on it what you've done yeah Um, thanks (laughs) yeah (laughs) i mean uh, we make it look easy on this show because we have so many people on here that that have done this yeah and i'm not saying it's it's impossible it's totally doable but it's it's become harder in hamilton to hands down uh to find the properties as you said so what are you doing now to make that easier well here's the thing is that not all properties of course are home runs like this right like i my average deal isn't a a 100 equity pullout Mm -hmm. right so this one of course we get technically got paid to do it my average deal you know we might be leaving in um you know, ten or twenty percent of the capital. So I still do act. I still so maybe forty do. grand left in or something exactly. like that. Exactly. But our cash yeah. on cash return on investment is still significant. Like yeah. way more than you're going to beat getting or buying something turnkey on your own. So that's what is mm-hmm. the most attractive thing about joint venturing with somebody that can find and do projects like this because you increase your cash on cash. Yeah. So significantly that your return on investment. You know, you get your money back on a much quicker uh, time period than if you were to buy a turnkey on your own. That's why I'm a big fan of the joint venture. Um, so, anyway, sorry, what I'm I got off track there. What I'm doing now is I'm trying to source market or source properties off market. It's pretty difficult because there's so many people like wholesalers that are sending out flyers. Oh, it's so, just so saturated. All these so little saturated. handwritten flyers that go out. Yeah, I do the same thing, yeah. but like I haven't had much success with doing that. But what I've started yeah. to do is. Um, you know, either jumping into projects where it's not going to be 100% burr, but the cash on cash return yeah. is still significant, or I'm getting into larger commercial properties now. Yeah. So 
Um, that's why I just picked up the six townhouses on the Hamilton Mountain, and I'm looking at you know uh, apartment buildings. So down. you picked up a, a row of six townhouses. I did. Yeah. What was the per unit price? Uh, two sixty six a unit. Okay, so two sixty six a unit. Yeah, I don't have these numbers too strongly off. Oh the top no, of it's, but it's totally fine. I, yep. I mean, I I deal in rough numbers, so okay. uh, so your purchase on that is going to be six. So you're one point five nine six million. Yeah, one point six. Okay, so yep. one 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 six. Um, we'll just change one six. Yeah, I kind of just rounded there. Okay, so you're one six million. What? Uh, okay, first off, you found an investor with some deep pockets, or did you have some seed capital for this? Yeah, so this one here, I brought two investors in, um, okay. formed a corporation. Both of them are going to fund the deal, and then I'm going to be the active working partner. So okay. basically, what I've proposed to them is that the annual gross rents on this property um, are fifty percent of where they should be. Right, the average rental unit there, they're paying like nine hundred bucks a month. Um, I'm projecting that for those townhouses in that location, we can get upwards of two thousand dollars a month per month. Uh, so yeah, two thousand dollars a month uh, in rent, right? Oh, per unit. Per yeah. unit. So six. So six towns. You bought a, at uh, one six. You're paying two and a quarter. Two. Sorry, you said two sixty six per unit. That's a lot. But it I guess is. they are towns, so it's not the same yeah. as like apartments. Like in Hamilton, apartments are trading over two hundred thousand dollars a door. That's right. Which is insane. Yeah. The these have um like you know their townhouses. Uh, the tenants pay all the utilities. All the so utilities are separated. separate. See, that's beautiful. Yeah. All separate yeah. furnaces, water meters, gas meters, and they're everything. not baseboard heat. They're, they're no, that's forced that, air. That's actually pretty solid. So that's why I paid the premium, right? That, um, that's so that all that in mind, that's not yep. too bad. Are they condoed or is uh, this is one block of houses? It is one block. They're not condoed yeah. yet. I do have um, an idea to to explore that option in the future. Yeah. Um, but there are also six detached garages that go along with these, right? So um, just another value this? off market deal. Yeah. Were you lettering to find this? What do you mean? Like sending out letters or? Oh, no, no, no. Offering a deal through a broker. Oh, through um, a the, broker. Yeah, okay. the bro- like the real estate agent. Uh, you know, I work with a couple of them, but, you know, it's all relationships when you get into that business, right? So they yeah. have customer or they have clients that they work with over long periods of time. And a lot of these uh, buildings or properties don't go on the market when they when they sell, as you know, right? Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a great deal. Now, how much of this is being funded with a loan? Uh, none of it. So yeah. they, they came in full cash on 1.6 oh, million. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Um, I actually negotiate with the sellers to give us an 80% vendor take back in first position. So at what rate? At 5% interest only for two years. 5% interest only on 1.6. Well, not 1.6 to be like 1.2 or whatever. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, 1.28, I believe, whatever 80, yeah. 20% or 80% loan sure. value. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, 5% interest only. I negotiated with them. That way we wouldn't have to deal with putting down a significant more amount of capital because the, the net operating income is so low on the property because they're only paying 900 bucks a month, right? Well, yeah, what's your bleed? What's your monthly bleed on that property? Yeah, so upon uh, like closing on the property, we're actually losing $1,000 a month. Okay, so it is rented right now, fully rented? Fully rented. Are you planning on changing that? 100%, yeah. <laughs> Are you going to be issuing N13s to the whole house? I, the whole I plan on going in pretty strongly with cash for keys and trying to negotiate yeah. with the tenants. Have you um, listened to the Kyle Ford episode? 56 yeah i love kyle ford yeah he's, yeah, he's his, a beast. his methodology for this is is probably going to be useful for you for sure yeah he's yeah. a beast when it comes to stuff like this yeah yeah um so yeah I, I plan on just implementing the same strategy going in there aggressively turning over units um i only need to turn over one unit to get to a break-even scenario or mm-hmm. situation um which i've raised additional capital yeah. for that reserve fund right 
Okay, so you raised extra capital to, for any sort of burn that you're going to have. You're losing a thousand exactly. a month. When? How long until you get back into the black? You're no longer in the red. One t- one unit needs to be turned over. So you figure like I'm in the black. four months, three four months. I think so. Like I don't. Well, know. you have to give notice. So see, this is how fast can you get them out, right? Yeah. And that you got to be careful. So this is why Kyle Kyle says issue the N13, even though that's a 90 day notice, I believe. Mm-hmm. issue that regardless and then you can try other things in the meantime yeah, but you want to have that as a, at very least as a fallback that's and then smart. when they when they're leaving kyle kyle's thing is oh well hey you're you're leaving um how about i just you know hook you up with a couple thousand bucks and yeah you don't come back <laughs> i think i'll have to listen to that episode again but um <laughs> well it's 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 a very it's a win-win right you're already packed up we don't know how long this is going to take um, you know, why don't you just take a little bit of extra cash now and go get situated somewhere else permanently? Yeah. And then they sign the N11 yep. at Mutual and, uh, and you move all along. And I think that that's, that's a real win-win. And the way he's been able to pull that off and make that work for him, um, there are very few people I know of moving as fast as he is. I know. Growing as fast yeah, as he is. He's growing quick. Yeah, it's craziness. I think a lot yeah. of people look at deals like this and they get scared of, mm-hmm. you know, the you know, there's a variable there, obviously, that's an unknown of, you know, when are you going to get the tenants out? How long is it going to take? And how long are you going to yes. be losing that $1,000 a month? And I'm, month, I'm right? one of those people. Yeah, that, that's scary to me. I, I, I like sleeping at night and not knowing is difficult. That, that is a challenge. But I think For sure. here, what you've done, you have, you've limited your burn. 1000 a month is very reasonable. That you can deal with. You can just create a buffer. You know that you can turn over at least one unit within a year one tenant has already expressed interest of leaving right so, so there that's, you go there it is right there yeah so how much rental will you do to, to a single unit honestly there it's all copper wiring everything is is fairly up to date it's and it's all drywall construction too so it's it's super easy compared to what i'm used to like no lath imposter and oh, all yeah. that stuff so i'm literally going to go in there i'm going to lipstick it um put in new you know, kitchen or new kitchen new bathrooms right okay. so i'm projecting thirty thousand a townhouse okay um because it's all fairly straightforward they're not the the biggest they're three bed one bath and um yeah so thirty thousand a townhouse at six townhouses yeah so that's 180 and then why don't we just call it like another forty thousand in miscellaneous everything else carrying legals land transfer blah 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 uh your land transfer actually is even higher than that so we'll, we'll call it 50 um Okay, uh, so your purchase and renovation on that one is going to be 1.83 million, say hypothetically, and and then it's in terms of a new mortgage, you're probably going to be at. Uh, well, first off, what do we think the value is going to be when you're done? I'm evaluating it based off a of cap rate and hitting a lender's debt service ratio of 1.2 percent. Okay. So I think it's going to be 2.75 million. 1.75. And I believe I'm using a uh, 4.25% cap rate, which I, you know, is easily achievable in the Hamilton market right now. Yeah. So you might get a mortgage of up to 200,000 or 2 million. Uh, so if that was the case, then the net investment here again is negative. So potentially your investors are putting back, uh, what would this be? I underwrote, I mean, when I underwrite deals, I have a super level yeah. of conservatism to it. So yeah. um, I underwrote it basically to the point where if I turn over all six units, the investors will be able to pull out 100% of their capital. So it won't yeah. be like an additional pull out, but I'm very confident you're with the numbers very, I'm projecting. Yeah, so you're being conservative. You're saying zero. I'm showing here just based on the quick discussion we've had now, uh, 232,500 pull out. But uh, with that being said, it's a little bit more tricky when you're dealing with commercial lending, yes. which this would be with a bank. They, they scrutinize it more mm-hmm. and they apply their own expenses and their own assumptions on expenses. So 
That's right. Here, if we said, let's just look at what your rents would be. So if you went $2,000 per times six, that's gross rent of 12000 Yep. Should be 144 I think, annually. Yeah. Yeah. And then we'll just say a 3% uh, vacancy rate in case that's what the lender's going to use. Uh, taxes, what are they going to be, like fifteen grand? No, it's actually so, it's like $8,000 for the for the row of six okay you're, so, not gonna, you're not gonna need any building permits while you do this i don't think so i'm Good. gonna go in so as long as you as long stuff, as you yeah. can avoid a building permit yep you can you can most likely keep that where it is which is really nice um insurance on something like that you're probably going to be like five grand six grand yep i think so so say, we'll say six to be a little more conservative sure now uh, maintenance i'm going to keep it at five percent management i'm going to assume i also budgeted five percent actually for management okay yeah, so you're budgeting that it. and they're going to do that actually more importantly the lender is either going to look at 5% management or they're going to look at seven or 800 bucks a door or whatever. They, they right. have their own internal estimate. Whether you manage it yourself. Yeah, yeah, they don't even care. They're just going to build it in yep. um, because they're looking at it. Well, if you got to sell this, we have to treat it as if there's a manager. That's so right. if we have to force the sale, we have to, we have to value it based on there being a manager. So um, lawn cutting and maintenance, I'm going to say probably like 2,500 a year between lawn and snow. And yeah, that think? sounds accurate. Maybe even 2,000. If you can get yourself a good deal, 2,000 is possible. And miscellaneous, I'm going to leave that at 500,000. Uh, so I'm going to sub in this potential 275 value, 2.75 million. Uh, so I've got 2.75 million showing a three, uh, 3.94 cap rate. But uh, oh, um, I'm also projecting to rent to the garages for $100 a month. So that adds an oh, additional okay, okay. $600 a month, which is uh, $7,200 a year. Okay. And that operating income. Okay, so I'm just calculating your DCR here. But yeah, okay, I, I see what you're saying there. So so you've got an extra $200 a month. There's six garages, so $100 a garage. So $600 oh, okay. a month. Sorry, I, I, was, a year, I was multitasking. Yeah. I was no multitasking. So, so sorry, 200 per garage or 100 per 100 garage? 100 per garage, okay. yeah. I need to stop multitasking here, clearly. <laughs> Okay, so six hundred dollars times twelve, and we're just going off the hook, like yeah. you know, we're not. We don't have. Oh, any I like. In front of I me, like so. it like that though. Yeah. Um, okay, so so two thousand. Oh yeah, that makes a huge difference. Huge difference. Yeah, that's yeah. why I like to find value anywhere I can. Oh. Right. So when I saw the garages and I saw that they weren't charging for them, I'm like, these guys are crazy. Yeah. There's a parking spot and a fully detached garage for you know yeah. somebody to rent out. Yeah. Okay, man, that's 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 great. Okay, so mm-hmm. it looks to me so if I'm being scrutinizing here as the bank would be. I would say, okay, well, your 2.75 value isn't quite working for our DCR. So that what they would ultimately do is they just keep cutting your loan back until it works. So yeah. um, actually, they're only going to give you a 75% mortgage anyway, yep. and it's going to be a 25-year AM. Now, the question is what kind of rate they're going to give you. Um, probably yeah. in today's market, maybe 2.5. I think I underwrote it with 2.5. Yeah. So so based on that, 2.5. there's so many variables when it there comes are to a lot of variables. commercial, right? I think, so. I think, so you were being conservative before. I think we're more looking, I don't think you're going to get your 75% loan to value just based on what we're seeing here. I agree. It's going to be lower. So we're probably going to be, say... I think I was in the right... 65? The, yeah, 65 to 70, Maybe 60, in and around that range. I mean, I've been, I've been conservative here, so there's, there's room for buffer. I would, me personally looking at this, I'd say I'd figure on a 64% loan to value. So okay. um, if that were the case, then you would be getting... Let's see here. Uh, it would it would be basically a break even. Your investors yeah. would be getting pretty much most of their money back. Maybe leave in 20, 20 30 grand. Close. Yeah, yeah. It'd be in and around that range. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You you actually did that pretty good. Like just for <laughs> all the time. We do this on the fly. See, this is about <laughs> analyzing deals quickly. So uh, for anyone who doesn't have it, my cash flow sheet is on my website andrew-hines.com, and there's a link right in the menu there to get the cash flow sheet. 
This is what I use right on the show as I'm analyzing deals. Just off to the side, I just do a purchase plus reno. Um, I guess I should probably build that into the sheet as well. But when you're using it, just when you have that purchase uh, price plus a- or ARV sell, um, make sure you include both what you purchased it for plus what uh, whatever renovations you're putting That's in. Right. So that'll help you get it better. There's a couple of different ways you can use it. And I may tweak this over time, but this will get you along the right direction. And I actually, I underwrite deals probably like a couple of deals a day. And that is the sheet that I use solely for okay. underwriting deal. I didn't even know it was your sheet until you commented yeah. on my Instagram. So <laughs> like, that looks familiar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, it's a work in progress. There's always more things we can add into a sheet, but I try and like for sure. keep it reasonably simple. It's got everything you need though, which yeah. is perfect. Um, this is an awesome deal. I didn't know you were doing this. That's, that's Thanks, great, yeah. man. You're moving really quick too. And I, and I know that cause we talked a while back and, and I think you were just kind of more or less at the start. And, I was. And you've been moving like crazy. So what's, what's driving you to do this? Um, yeah, that's a great question. I feel like I'm honestly up just a, I'm just getting going is how I feel really. But what's driving me to do this the most is, um, I've always been entrepreneurial. I've suffered, uh, some major loss before in my life that has changed the way that I think like tremendously. Like I lost my mom a couple years ago and that taught me a lot. Like it changed my perspective on life. And what, what it basically did was I started looking at things differently and I started thinking, okay, you know what? Life is extremely short and, um, you know, life is, uh, not predictable or sorry, life is not, sorry, I'm kind of choking up here. Um, life is uh, like, you don't really know what tomorrow brings. You don't know if there's going to be a tomorrow. And so I feel like I always lived my life prior to that. Um, not going for things, not, uh, like always having, um, my fears dictate my actions. And then once that happened to me and I I experienced that level of loss, I kind of had a perspective change and I realized, okay, you know what? Like there is nothing that is going to uh, surpass that level of loss that I already, um, experienced. And yeah. so I can no longer uh, live life having like my fears dictate my actions. And so when I analyze deals like this, or I, or I jump into a business venture or anything in life where you get that, that scary level of fear, um, I'm very quick to uh, suppress it and be able to, to work past it now because I'm not afraid of, uh, of what could potentially happen. So yeah. that being said, um, what drives me to do this is that I know I have the potential and the capability of doing these things. And so I wouldn't be, you know, listening to my conscience and, and following my vision if I didn't push past those, uh, those limiting things, those fears of being able to just go for it. I don't know if I answered your question or not. No, but, that was very insightful. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, first off, sorry to hear that. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, one, one thing I take away from that is something that I hold very true as well is I don't live my life in fear. Yeah. I, I, talk to, I talk about wanting to be able to sleep. Fear has no place in my life. I, I think fear is a tool uh, when you acknowledge it, you you know you acknowledge it and you put it behind you you don't live in that fear and i've lived in that fear especially around money and having available resources a lot in my early 20s it stressed me out and uh napoleon hill had had a book you know has a book think and grow rich napoleon hill is obviously not around anymore but that's a very famous book and in that i remember i don't remember how it was worded but it's like you can't grow if you're worried about surviving the only way you can you can grow is if you're focused on what it is you're trying to achieve so you need to um you know Treat the situation. If you are afraid, address why you're afraid. Address, address logically how you can overcome that fear and how you can right the ship, so to speak. Yeah. And then focus on where you're going. And that was one of the big takeaways that I had in my early 20s is I couldn't, couldn't proceed that way anymore. 
I needed to correct that so that I could focus on growing. Yeah, I feel like um, once you can overcome that and and really operate from a level of no fear, like the sky is truly the limit. Like nothing can stop me at this point of, of whatever I, you know, if I if it's in my mind and like I said, if my conscience basically tells me that I can do it or I want to do it, um, I have to go for it. I have to like basically live in congruence with my conscience and just not let fear stop me. So it's yeah. almost a game for me now to just keep yeah. pushing and and just overcome that stuff, right? So yeah. that's what drives me the most. Awesome. Well, thanks, thanks for sharing that, man. Yeah, and it's yeah. it comes down to that. I, I try and drive in like why, because this is not easy. Like this, this is hard, but it's worth it. But and, hard compared to what? Yeah. At the same time, yeah. too, right? Like it's all everything in life is your yeah. perspective as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah. No, that's great, man. Uh, where can people reach you if they want uh, if they want to connect with you? Sure. Yeah. Um, anywhere on social media, Instagram, YouTube, or Facebook. Uh, mostly active on Instagram, Josh Doyle Invest. Okay. And uh, or YouTube, I believe it's also Josh Doyle Invest. All right. I'll get you to send me those links and uh, and make sure they're in the show notes for everybody. So, Josh, awesome. thanks so much for doing this. This was really insightful, and I know everybody's going to get a lot out of it. Thanks for having me, man. It's a pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Please make sure to share this episode far and wide. Help it help more people. I really appreciate you tuning in. Thanks. I'll see you on the next one. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a moment and give a shout out to a couple of very important local businesses to me. As you know, this lockdown has been tough on everyone and small businesses have been taking the brunt of it. So there's two specific businesses I wanted to give a shout out to. This is a completely unpaid promotion. They didn't ask me to do this, but I wanted to give them a shout out because I think they're really important and I want to see them be successful. Uh, So one is New York, New York Men's Grooming Lounge here in Burlington, Ontario. I always see Sergio every month. Uh, they do a fantastic job. Their atmosphere there is fantastic. There's usually some Frank Sinatra playing in the background. Um, they're a great establishment, even if you just want to go in and have an espresso or have a beer and chat. It really is a lounge and social uh, location, which is just such a unique concept in today's market. Really like those guys. I really want to see them succeed. If you're looking for a fantastic men's haircut and grooming experience, I highly recommend them. The next one I wanted to give a shout out to is Dr. Mike White over at the Momentum Health Clinic in Hamilton. Dr. Mike has been able to help me many times over the years when I've hurt my back. He's a chiropractor, uh, so I'd be in a position where I couldn't even walk, I couldn't turn. Uh, I was in an agonizing pain, and I'd go to Dr. Mike, and usually I'm 100% better within a week. Now, I know it's a touchy thing with a medical service, so always, always, always consult with your medical professional before seeking any form of treatment. I just wanted to let you know my experience here, and I certainly think Mike White is worth considering. I've included the details for both of these contacts in my show notes. Please show them support if you see fit. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it.